Day 2 Florence Bagpipe and History Podcast, where I, your host Jeremy, explores the possible repertoire of 18th and 19th century bagpipers. Come and listen to us. Thunder sounds. That way you can tell that this is the Halloween episode? Huh? That works, right? Mm. Maybe not. Well, I really enjoyed kind of doing the research and putting together a Halloween episode last year, and I thought I was going to do another one this year. That was the plan. Still kind of sort of is a Halloween episode, um, but really this turned much more into a the Gold Ring deep dive episode and the gold ring is sort of kind of a halloween story in that my halloween excitement is just telling fairy stories um and there's a fairy story or two around the gold ring and some sort of irish and scottish um folklore customs around Samhain and halloween that sort of make it like rings are appropriate for that too although it's a bit of a stretch um but yeah i thought that i was just going to do a quick little playthrough of the gold ring and it turned out there's just a little too much going on with the gold ring to not wind up having that be the whole episode so uh oh some thanks to a couple people so like ryan benke uh, who was on the podcast last year we did a duet of one of those o'farrell duets um he kind of clued me into Seamus Ennis's story about a fairy piper and, you know, fairies and bagpipes and the gold ring, which is why in my head I was like, oh, I guess I should do gold ring on a Halloween episode. Uh, and then also thanks to kind of Blackie O'Connell for having an opinion on what the gold ring should sound like. So ever since uh, his Piper Sunday last year, I had in my notes ask Blackie about his setting for the gold ring because he made a big impassioned argument that we should all be playing uh, a certain like kind of his his set of variations for the gold ring and they're lovely so we're gonna have that on the show this uh today as well um and i guess also thank you to ian gelston who pointed out that there was like a whole other gold ring family i, I wasn't aware of so that's what this episode is we're gonna do a deep dive into the gold ring and play through a couple different really it's like three different families of tunes that all have the same name of the gold ring um with some you know slight variations and things here and there um and then yeah, that's what's that's what the episode is. So I guess chronologically, though, to keep this a Halloween episode, I'll play the oldest tune that I know of first, and it's actually called Halloween. Um, part of the challenge and one of the reasons why I wanted to do like a thunder rain track is this tune is not spooky at all, and that sort of gels with um, at least you know if you, if you go back and listen to the Halloween episode last year, I mentioned that I bought like three uh, books that are all about kind of Scottish folklore and customs written in the 1890s. And um, it talks about like how Halloween was a time for a lot of kids to play games based on like who, what their future was going to be like, who their spouses were going to be and that sort of thing. And um, the oldest setting of this tune, I think comes from Playford where it's called a Scots measure and hollow even. 
Um, and it's just a happy little dance tune. And so that's how we're going to do it. I'm going to play William McGibbon's setting from the mid 18th century. Um, but that's also one of the more interesting kind of customs that I found. Uh, and that, that same Irish collection or Irish website that had a whole list of interesting uh, anecdotes and uh, kind of oral histories of what people do in Ireland in the 1930s when most of the stuff is from. So this is Halloween Customs from 1938. The website's name is duckus.ie. Uh, it's super rad. I'll have a link in the description. So Halloween Customs. Uh, children have a lot of games on Halloween. Some children hang an apple from the top of the house with a string and they try to catch with their mouth without putting the hand to it. The children also put a penny in water and try to take it out with the mouth. Some people put a ring in a cake and say uh, whoever would get the ring would be married first. Three saucers are, see, we should be playing the gold ring on Halloween. It makes total sense. Um, three saucers are put on a table, a ring in one, clay in the another, and water in another. Uh, then a person is blindfolded and he puts his hand on one of the saucers. If it is the one with the ring on it, he will be married. If it is the one with the clay on it, he will be buried. And if it is the one with the water in it, he will cross the sea. Uh, our gate was left at a neighbor's house, and the neighbor's gate was left at our house. Some people's doors were tied outside. Uh, cabbage was thrown in on some doors or windows Halloween on Halloween night. So this is all stories from Thomas Trainor uh, in Bellyborough. Anyway, so... Yeah, so it makes sense that Halloween's a happy tune, happy time, um, and that the gold ring is all around this Halloween episode, even if it wasn't for the fairy stories. So, anyway, here is William McGibbon's setting for the gold ring. This is from the mid-18th century, and it's a good tune. It's a really good tune. It's just not at all what I want a Halloween <laughs> kind of spookiness supposed to be. Anyway, cheers.
So yeah, the um, the book uh, that I saw like the similar traditions in Scotland is from John Gregerson Campbell. Uh, like I said, most of his stuff was published in the late 19th century. I think after he died, um, maybe it was published in the early 20th century, but he was collecting towards the end of the 19th century, I believe. Yeah, it's published in 1902. Anyway, on uh, the Samhain section, uh, it's, yeah, really similar stuff. So on the last day of autumn, children gathered ferns, tar barrels, long thin stalks uh, called gainsig, and everyone suitable for a fire. They were placed in a heap and some eminence near the house and evening set fire to. It's sort of cool. It talks here like, I don't know, his his opinion is, is showing. So John Gregerson Campbell kind of goes like, well, people are looking for some sort of pagan ritual here, but it's just about fires. Like, don't get worried. It's just because you got to heat yourself in the winter. So it's a good time to have a good, good big bonfire. Um, yeah. So as the evening wore on, the young people gathered to one house and an almost endless variety of games uh, were resorted to with the object in every case of dividing the future lot of the company. Were they to marry or not? Was it to be that year or never? Who was to be married first? What, like the future husband or wife, was to be their names, trade, color, pair, size, property, etc.? Were questions of great importance, and their answer was a source of never-failing entertainment. The moans of divination are of interest, for they, uh, from the light they throw on the character of the people among whom they prevailed, and from an antiquarian point of view, as remains of pagan times, a shoe caught by the tip and thrown over the house for indicates the future by its position on the ground on the other side. In whatever direction the toe points, the thrower will go before long. And it is very unlucky if the shoe should be found the sole uppermost. Misfortune is making for him. A thin, fine shoe used in this manner led the man fished up from Green Island to remark after some years of silence, a thin shoe, little valued. It is hard to say who will wear it. He might well say so, for the owner of who of the shoe died in a few days. The white of eggs dropped in a glass of pure water indicates by certain marks how many children a person is to have. How many children a person is to have? I'm not sure if I said that right. The impatience and clamor of the children often made the housewife perform this ceremony for them by daylight, and the kindly mother standing with a face to the window, dropping the white of an egg into the crystal glass of clean water, and surrounded by a group of children eagerly awaiting, eagerly watching her proceedings, formed a pretty picture. When the fun of the evening had fairly commenced, the names of eligible or likely as possible matches were written on the chimney place, and the young man who wished to assay his fortune was blindfolded and led up to the list. Whatever name he put his finger on would prove to be that of his future wife. Two nuts were put on the fire beside each other, representing two individuals whose name were made known to the company. As they burned together, or flared up alone, or leaped away from each other, the future marriage of the pair, or haughty rejection of each other, was inferred. A dish of milk and meal, um, Scott Crowdy, or of beet potatoes, was made, and a ring was concealed in it. Spoons were given to the company, and a vigorous attack was made on the dish. Whoever got the ring would prove to be the first married. This was an excellent way of making uh, the taking of food part of the evening's merriment. Apples and a silver sexpence were put in a tub of water. The apples floated on top, but the coin lay close to the bottom. Whoever was able to lift either in his mouth uh, with 
and without using his teeth, was counted very lucky and got the prize by himself. Anyway, it goes on, but it just, yeah, those are very similar to the oral traditions in Ireland in the 1930s, the rings and uh, whatnot. Anyway, so speaking of rings, let's do our first gold ring tune. Again, we'll go with oldest first. So this is from Walsh's Caledonia Country Dances called The Gold Ring. Again, it's just a lovely little dance tune and uh, a, I mean, it's it's a reel and it's definitely, uh, I, don't, I don't hear any similarities between it and the Irish gold ring that we'll be focusing much of the episode on. But here it is. Here's Walsh's gold ring. And here we can listen to a nearly identical setting from Thomas Nixon's tune book. Remember, uh, Thomas Nixon Jr. was the fife player in the Continental Army during the American Revolution. So this uh, is from 1778-ish. Uh, but anyway, like I said, nearly the same tune. But, you know, shows up on in two pretty different places, as well known. So good chance in the late 18th century, if you said um, Goldring, this would have been the tune you're thinking of. There is an alternative gold ring in the 18th century, um, and thanks to Ian Gelston for pointing this out to me, I did not know about this until the day I'm recording this. I posted another version on uh, Instagram, and uh, Ian pointed out, hey, you know, there's this other setting in Vickers. So uh, Vickers Manuscript has a setting for gold ring, and it's a really cool tune. does some fun timing things, and it's also a jig. It's not a reel, but I don't think there's a similarity between it and, uh, to my mind, the more famous gold ring. So anyway, here is William Vickers' manuscript setting for the gold ring. (laughs) 
as so often is the case uh where vickers goes uh rook is soon to follow it seems like so here is the 1840s version from rook's manuscript of the gold ring very similar tune rook uses has a high b in it uh so i try to do that on highland pipes it doesn't quite do the same exploration of rhythm that i really enjoyed with vickers setting vickers might be my favorite of these not the famous gold ring gold ring tunes uh does something pretty cool stuff uh rook i could probably do better i just was sort of running out of time but anyway here it is I don't really know why that was challenging. Like, um, it's sort of the ideal setup for playing a high B on Highland Pipes, where it's next to a high A, um, and then kind of goes back to a high A. It's just like a little quick dip up, but I had a really tricky time with it, as you can tell. Uh, all right, so so I came across the Gold Ring in, I think I think it's in Aird's as well. Um, very similar setting to the Walsh's one, if it is in there. And that kind of got me excited that, oh, hey, Gold Ring is an old tune, played it. Oh, obviously it's not. Uh, the thing that really got me excited was seeing the Gold Ring as a recognizable tune in Fitzmaurice's collection. So Fitzmaurice's collection of Irish tunes is published in Edinburgh, I think in 1807. And I'm going to play it. I am going to play it. This is not all a ruse to keep everybody listening that's only here to hear the Irish version of the Gold Ring. Um, but... It makes sense thematically to me to just play through all the other stuff in Fitzmaurice first. I've been I've got a couple episodes already out that are kind of playing through all of the tunes that Fitzmaurice recorded in his, I think it's eight volume collection of tunes. Um, his books are awesome. There's some great stuff. You can check those earlier episodes out. And so technically, I'm just going to play through all of them uh, that show up in volume four, which is where the gold ring shows up. Um, so let's start with, uh, I guess the first tune, the first tune on there is the gold ring, except it's called, uh, Miss Garden Campbell's, but I'm just going to, I'm going to do all the gold ring tunes in one go. So let's start with the, the Tory retreat. This is a fun tune. And like I say, from Fitzmaurice. <laughs> Thank you. 
And another quick tune for Fitzmaurice. This is Kick the World Before You. that sounded familiar to you uh, the name sounded familiar to me we already had it on the podcast a long time ago uh it's the fourth episode of season five here because um, it shows up in david young's uh drummond castle manuscript from the 1730s as well uh or i guess 1743 or 1734 yeah uh, anyway so here's just a quick refresher uh to hear the differences for david Young's setting from uh, about 70 years before uh, Fitzmaurice's collection got published. say i really like um i really like david young's setting but i, I just went and looked listened back to Fitzmaurice to see how similar they are and like i can hear the nine eight like they're both nine eights i can hear the tune in there but i really like Fitzmaurice's take on it and kind of adding a couple more variations i'm not sure maybe i should do a whole big deep dive into that tune to see where those other variations came from maybe Fitzmaurice is just copying somebody else but uh Anyway, that's I'm losing focus. We shouldn't do that. So uh, this last tune, um, 
that are kind of part of the Fitzmaurice stuff without actually playing the gold ring uh, is Fitzmaurice's hornpipe, which is apparently better known as McDonald's hornpipe, uh, which may be the McDonald that uh, was an Irish piper that Edward Bunting got tunes from, according to Traditional Tune Archive, anyway. Uh, and I wound up playing it as a set into uh, Walsh's setting for the gold ring again, so you can hear those two tunes put together. Anyway, here it is. Alright, so that wraps up the non-gold ring tunes from Fitzmaurice. So we're going to do one last non-gold ring tune on the episode, 
um, or like Gold Ring, but not the Gold Ring. And this is another setting of the Gold Ring. I didn't play this. It seems that it's more leaning towards a fiddle one, and I couldn't. I honestly couldn't find a source for it other than um, other than this one. So, like in terms of old ones, this is a recording from 1937, played by um, Patty Caloran. It's the Gold Ring and Haste to the Wedding. I found this just when looking around on the session.org, uh, like the setting was on there. Somebody had uploaded a kind of bagpipe friendly version, but I couldn't figure out like really if this tune was ever really played on pipes until recently um, or yeah, or any old settings for it. Like I said, could be tons and I just didn't look hard enough, um, but I also I'm just sort of running out of time to get this episode done. So anyway, here is uh, Patty Caloran uh, and somebody accompanying him on piano playing the gold ring. Like I said, this is another completely different setting. It's a recording off of archive.org. Thanks to the fine folks over there on the discussion threads of the session.org. <laughs> Thank you. 
Alright, that's enough preamble. Let's get on to the gold ring proper. So let's begin with none other than Seamus Ennis telling the fairy story and playing the tune in Irish. Well, Need the Sagams, Tobin Marshall, Kelp Powalum. Ach, Powalum and Portasar Tagui. Margulor Dut Bohine, Hoshashtach, Sancha Machadish, and a good people, Yugos Hashem Portshaw, Egoshantanimator of Bort Ohin, and Fania Owen.
So I'm not gonna. I obviously can't translate, or not obviously I don't speak Irish, can't translate that. But on traditional tune archive, there's sort of a rough translation of that story for those of you like me that don't hear Irish. So supposedly the story uh, is about Seamus Ennis uh, telling a story of a piper who had the courage to spend the night hiding near a fairy fort. Uh, to listen to the wonderful music of the little folk. It says Fairy Wrath. I'm assuming that's a fairy fort. Maybe there's a whole other fairy hangout place I don't know about. Uh, anyway, as usual, they returned uh, to the Wrath at sunrise to sleep, the night's festivity over, and the piper crept out from hiding. On close investigation of the site, the piper found a tiny gold ring on the ground dropped by a fairy reveler. The very next evening, he returned to the Wrath and hid in the same place to listen again to the music of the Wee Folk, but this time he also overheard the lamenting of a fairy piper over the loss of the ring. The fairy cried that he would grant any wish to get it back, upon which the man uh, stepped from hiding and offered to return the ring, explaining how he found it lost. True to his word, the fairy granted the human one wish and asked the piper to name it. The jig I heard the other night, said the man, who added that he could not remember it. Um, due to the fairies blocking the memory of their tunes. The fairy piper granted the wish on the spot, the tune that has ever since been called, in memory of the incident, The Gold Ring. Um, so it's kind of... I like this story because it seems like somebody's getting the better of fairies, and most of the stories that I've read in the past uh, and shared on the podcast are always fairies getting the better of humans. Um, but yeah, definitely lots of stories you can check out on the previous Halloween episode of um fairies protecting their music uh and you know punishing pipers for not doing it um anyway lovely tune lovely setting of course uh a mean thing to do to myself to play Seamus Ennis uh and then have a clip of me playing it but anyway this is the oldest um setting I could find for the tune it doesn't have the name the gold ring yet this is from O'Farrell's uh pocketbook companion so this is published probably around 1806 and at that point it's called Lasses of Limerick So you can definitely hear the gold ring contained within the Lasses of Limerick there, um, but it isn't the massive, like, nine-part jig um, that we see later. And in my head, I was kind of thinking, oh, okay, so the nine-part stuff must come later. But really, the next version I have for it uh, is from Fitzmaurice. It's called Miss Garden Campbell's Jig, and it again, it's it's huge. It's got a lot of different parts. Uh, the way that the parts are kind of distributed is a little weird but uh let's see if we can count them we got one so there's a bunch of parts that are like 
one, two, three, four. They're like just four bar parts that repeat, uh, which is probably not how I would do it. Um, but yeah, so we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight. So it isn't nine, it's eight, eight parts in this, uh, in Fitzmaurice's version. But you can kind of hear kind of where everything's going to come from. And, you know, even though Fitzmaurice calls this Mrs. Garden Campbell's jig, I mean, I don't think he invented it. <laughs> um, Less as a limerick is already really similar. Um, I just, I, I'm sure there's there's some more older settings of this tune. Fitzmaurice definitely kind of took tunes and put a different name on them. This happens a couple other times in O'Farrell's settings. Um, like tunes that we see in O'Farrell with one name, Fitzmaurice will have the same name with a different, or same tune with a different title. Anyway, so here is Fitzmaurice's setting for Miss Garden Campbell's Jig. The one thing that I will say is pretty unique about Fitzmaurice, I find his setting a little tedious with the short repeats, but the last part is awesome and I think unique to Fitzmaurice. Uh, I don't see it played on other settings of the gold ring, so kind of perk your ears back up for that, uh, for that last part of the tune. Here he is, Fitzmaurice's setting from 1807 of Miss Carden Campbell's Jig. tell you, Fitzmaurice just doesn't get the respect it deserves. There are so many awesome settings for Kraken tunes in his collection. Uh, okay, so chronologically, the next setting, I think, would be Edward Bunting. So again, we have a new name. Um, so uh, people... So anyway, new name and Bunting, you know, he collected this tune in 18, 1835, I think. It doesn't get published until 1840. But it's called the Pharaoh or the War March. Definitely the same tune. Um, you know, Bunting has these little notes at the top of the page often, and with the setting of the tune, he says that it's very ancient, origin unknown, um, which you know I can I can buy. Um, very ancient author and date unknown, but maybe it's a fairy, y'all. Maybe that's where it came from. Uh, anyway, so here is the Pharaoh or War March from Edward Bunting, published like I said, eighteen forty. Thank you. 
feel I feel a little guilty for including a repeat on there. We've got so many gold rings to get through yet. But how about that third to last part with the just trills? I love it. That's like I'm gonna I gotta make a master version of this of including Fitzmaurice's final part and Bunting's uh, third to last part, which are again sort of unique. Uh, all right, so the next one, chronologically, if we go to the 1860s, uh, Canon Goodman has a tune nearly identical. Uh, it's called the Five Pound Jig, but it, I think it's just two parts, but it's definitely, you know, the same same tune. Sort of like as often as uh, Vickers and Rook go together, Goodman and Greer go together too. So here is the Greer setting. Now Greer does call this tune the Gold Ring. Uh, it is back. It has more parts than just two, but it's still uh, kind of quite a bit smaller than um, Garden Campbell's Jig or uh, kind of Seamus Ennis' setting or some of the, the more robust ones. Uh, I think this is four parts. And it's, again, there's some unique things going on here. I found it, like it wasn't, it shouldn't be as hard as it is, but it's sort of a hard tune to play. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. It's five parts, sorry, not four part. Um, but yeah, anyway, here is Stephen Greer's setting. So uh, this is from 1883. tell you, I was not happy with that tune. Uh, at the end of a lot of these recordings, I will say the name of the tune again to myself and comment on if it was a good take or not. And uh, yeah, I had some expletives to say about that tune, that setting, and uh, clearly gave up on it. It's weird that if you look at it, it's not that tr tricky, but the fifth part is sort of harder than it needs to be. Uh, and I still wound up taking liberties with it to be able to play it. All right, so now we're kind of moving out of the realm of music that I'm comfortable with. Like, uh, I, I like the older stuff. I've started to play more and more 
um, Greer and Rook and Goodman, but really I'm more comfortable with 18th century stuff. I'll occasionally dip into O'Neill, but that's not where I feel comfortable. So we're going to do that with this tune because it's so much a part of what common tunes play today. And I think chronologically it makes sense to do Patsy Tui's setting next. So, um, you know, there's, so Patsy Tui, love playing this tune. There's a really hard to hear 78, um, or, or not 78, it's a wax cylinder of him playing. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, there is a pretty legible, uh, transcription. So this is me kind of struggling through the transcription of Patsy Tui's setting for the gold ring. And this is where we start to get those really robust, um, big settings. Yeah, I just don't. I, I'm not really capable of playing that vaudeville style that uh, Patsy and uh, like Tom Ennis and John Ennis and those guys played. Um, and like in trying to figure out how to play like the notes that Tui played, the idea of like doing the regulator approach was just beyond me. So I'm not pretending to say here's how Tui played it. Those are just the, like my interpretation of the notes as based on that transcription go check out um some 78s like i said i'll link it in the show notes also if you want some more information on pat Tui, um i've got a link to nick whitmer's really excellent website and archive of information on patsy Tui. and also if you remember back we had joya barda on the podcast uh, a couple months ago and he was being sort of coy i think about a project that he had running and it has been named and announced. It's the Patrick J. Tuhi Memorial Weekend, April 29th to May 1st, 2022. And it is a gathering to memorialize Patrick J. Tuhi, one of America's finest sailing pipers. Workshops, presentations, concerts, and recitals given by some of the finest pipers and historians in America, taking place in American, in the American birthplace of Tuhi, Boston, Massachusetts. Um, but including, there's a big long list of cool people that are talking, um, but 
kind of relevant to what I just said. Uh, it's, you know, Nick Whitmer is going to be there, uh, who has these awesome website kind of talking about TUI and NS. So, uh, oh, and Barry O'Neill too. So, um, check that out. Uh, I'll have a link to that as well in the description of the show notes here. All right. And another sort of beyond me uh, approach here is the setting for the gold ring that is published in O'Neill's Music of Ireland, the 1850 melodies. Uh, I'm not 100% sure when this one's first published. I think it was 1903. The setting says, uh, it says Ennis in the corner. Uh, and I've, I've seen other people say that that is um, like Tom Ennis, but like Tom Ennis was sort of young then. And I don't know why it wouldn't have been his dad who was also a cop in Chicago with Francis O'Neill for a lot longer than his son was at that point. I'm not sure. Like I said, this is, uh, there are people that are really smart about this stuff and I am not one of them. So anyway, here is me playing through O'Neill setting for the golden ring. yeah this has been challenging uh and quite a lot of fun to play through these things uh that big part of me feels like i have no business playing uh anyway let's um we should do the tune that sort of started it all off um so like i said last year during black o'connell's piper sunday gathering he said hey this is the really cool way to play the the gold ring mm-hmm. and so we're going to play that as the most current uh, kind of irish setting for gold ring i asked blackie the thing that really stands out to me as being different is the last part um and he said he got it off of oana Riovic. Uh, lovely playing, of course. Um, so this is um, Blackie playing with uh, Siobhan Peoples uh, for the Cork Folk Festival. Uh, they're playing the Gold Ring into the Dawn Chorus. Uh, anyway, so thanks Blackie for letting us play the tune. Uh, and Siobhan too, although I didn't ask her. <laughs> Just, it's all Blackie's fault. Everything's always Blackie's fault on this podcast. Yeah. 
Well, you might have thought we were done, and we probably should be. That would have been a way better thing to go out on than this. But I wanted to do one playthrough of, you know, the gold ring on Highland Pipes. Like I said, that's where I first heard it. I went looking, you know, it's not on Killshawn, even all the names that I found, um, like Lasses Limerick and Miss Carden Campbell's, like none of those things are on Killshawn. So I'm not sure if this tune made it into like Highland Pipe repertoire, I haven't found it in Patrick McDonald's kind of unnamed, like so many of those tunes are. Um, I haven't looked exhaustively through Patrick McDonald. It could totally be there, but I think I would have noticed it by now. Um, so I'm not sure quite when it showed up. Uh, I posted a question about it, kind of asking some other Highland Pipers, uh, you know, if they had seen it before, like, where it was first published and it seems like what possibly happened i'll just kind of read it so people are saying the tune is about in the 80s uh and then gary or jerry quigg said that they played it uh that we played it in the 78 Frasers in the early 80s and i hadn't heard it before that doesn't mean it wasn't around just wasn't i just didn't hear it uh think it was brought in by ian anderson so there's that somebody else commented that strathclyde police used to play it, but without much context i'm not sure when um that was so anyway and you know sure enough there is the the gravel walk or the, the gravel walk uh the gold ring on the 78 frasers album uh as a set with the clumsy lover which is an album that i had growing up that was like the first bagpipe album i bought um so i'm sure that's where i heard it at first and I uh, went looking, since I didn't, I don't have a copy of it anymore, I just went poking around for a bagpipe setting online, found an ABC notation of some sort um, that had Simon Fraser University's name on it, so I don't know, I'll have a link to it, I, it is of dubious origins, but it seemed pretty close to the version I used to play. So we'll finish with this. Um, happy Halloween, happy Silent everybody, uh, sorry there wasn't more spookies and ghoulies uh, this go around second halloween episode that's mostly about fairies that i still haven't talked about the mccrimmon so obviously there's lots of material to get through yet uh anyway here is me playing the gold ring uh we're gonna be you know every other every other week here for the foreseeable future uh if you want more podcasts i've got uh, just absurd piles of bonus episodes over on the Patreon feed at this point. Uh, I think we're up to ep seven, and I'll be posting another one of those like study episodes of just all of the settings for the Gold Ring and one quick listen through as a bonus episode over there again as well. So if you're interested in that, you can go over to Patreon.com/slash/WayTooTwog. Uh, everybody at the five dollars or more level gets access to all those bonus episodes. So uh, anyway, cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening. And thanks to everybody that came to that discussion. I'm recording this before the Zoom Hangout session, so hopefully it went well. Seems like there's going to be a lot of people there. Uh, and I'm finishing recording this with only about 16 hours before that starts. So, hey, cool. Uh, all right. Anyway, cheers. Here is the Gold Ring played by me uh, on Highland Pipes. <laughs>